0: My guest this week is John F. Kennedy, an advisor from Florida. As you can imagine, sharing a name with a famous American president makes it difficult for him to rank in search. We chat about how he's marketed his business, Candapath, and some of the differences and similarities between UK and US financial services. Welcome to episode 226 of the Marketing and Finance Podcast. This is the podcast for ideas and inspiration on marketing your business and growing your business and for discussing topics on all things finance. I'm Roger Edwards, a marketing guy and keynote speaker from Edinburgh. Talk to me if you want to cut the BS and the complexity from your marketing strategy. Hello everyone and welcome to the Marketing and Finance podcast. As always, I'd just like to take a moment to thank you so much for downloading or streaming the show. I really do appreciate you taking the time to plugging me and my guests into your earphones. I don't normally ask for this, but if you've got two minutes, please leave me a review on iTunes. It really would help me with the rankings for this podcast. Simply go to rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash iTunes, click on the link and leave me a review. I'd really appreciate your help with this. So let's get on to this week's interview, and occasionally on the Marketing and Finance Podcast, I like to talk to financial advisors and financial services companies in the US to get a perspective on the differences and the similarities between the UK market. And this week, my guest has a name that everybody will recognise, John F. Kennedy. (laughs) But of course, he ain't the one you're thinking of. Let's get straight into that interview with John right here on the Marketing and Finance Podcast. John Kennedy. Welcome to the Marketing and Finance Podcast.
1: Hey, Roger. How are you? Thanks for having me.
0: I'm doing really good, John. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Now, tell me, where are we Zooming each other from? Now, I'm in Edinburgh, UK, as always.
1: Uh Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah, we are in uh, Winter Springs, Florida, which is just outside of Orlando. Here in Florida, it's hot all the time, Yeah, but we like to use the word winter in front of the names of our cities to make us feel like it's cooler.
0: So, John, you're a financial advisor, and I was really interested to talk to you. We've had a couple of conversations in advance of this recording, and I thought it'd be really interesting to get the US perspective of building a financial advisor business, because there are lots of similarities between the way the UK works and the US works in terms of regulation in in terms of customer profile. But obviously there are some of those subtle, interesting little differences as well. So that's what I thought we'd get into and talk about today. But before we get into that, John, give the listeners of the marketing and finance podcast a little bit of background about yourself, where you came from, how your career developed, where you're going, and basically what makes John Kennedy tick.
1: Yeah, yeah, that sounds great. Thank you, Roger. So um, we, I've been in the industry for a little over a decade now. My business partner has been in the industry for 20 years. And we uh, we came together a couple of years ago and formed CandorPath Financial with this idea of really creating financial advocacy for individuals and business owners. You know, I, I think most of the time, at least over here in the States, there's this perception that uh, a financial advisor is somebody who sells Products, insurance products, things like that, and we didn't we didn't want that. We didn't want to operate under that model. We want to be able to deliver true financial advice and and be an objective third party counsel for someone's financial situation, um, regardless of what that meant. Whether that means investing money, paying down debt, um, investing more in your business, optimizing cash flow in your business. So really, like a to z, soup to nuts. We wanted to deliver sound financial advice
0: yeah I think unfortunately, both in the uk and the us there is still this public perception that financial advice is all about flogging products sorry flogging is a is a British term for selling um, is about selling products and therefore unfortunately, financial services has a fairly poor reputation amongst the paying public, they they're suspicious of financial services, and they they're a little bit concerned that they're going to get ripped off or they or they they're going to get scammed. Is that yeah. does that perception exist over there as well?
1: Yeah, I think it does. I think a lot of times when I first begin speaking with someone, they they put us in this box of a financial advisor who does those types of things, or maybe. I'm the guy or gal who manages a portfolio, reallocates the stocks and bonds and stuff like that. And I feel like, you know, it's part, partially it's our job. It's our mission to communicate the idea that it's so much more than that. Yes, those are important elements of financial planning, but we really need to be looking at, I mean, if you think about it this way, Roger, if 90% or more of the decisions you make have financial implications, mm-hmm. big or small, uh, that we should be talking about all of those other elements of your financial life. And I think, you know, specifically in working with, with business owners, um, we kind of use the term fractional CFO, mm-hmm. where, you know, we get to kind of come in and help them work on their cash flow, perhaps if they're going to be selling in the next 5 years, increasing the multiple of their, of their business and finding ways to, to do that. Um, but you probably know this too, as a business owner, the world of your personal and your, your professional lives, they just sort of blend together. And so creating really, really good systems for what that needs to look like, creating that separation, managing your business side and your personal side. I think that's a bit of a uniqueness that, that we apply to it, that it takes a conversation or two for someone to go, wow, okay, that's, yeah, that is a little different than what we normally would think of when we think of a financial advisors.
0: And you said you you wanted Candapath to be different to other financial advisor firms, uh, and it sounds like you've achieved that. But was there a was there a light bulb moment uh, where you were sat in a cafe or in a bar or something, and suddenly the light bulb went off above your head, and you just thought, "This is what we want to do."
1: Yeah, I think I think there actually was a light bulb moment, and it and it had more to do with. Because um, again, my business partner, Matt and I, we've been in the industry for a long time, but we just decided and realized, gosh, you know, we want to do something different. And we see this market of underserved business owners. Mm-hmm. Because really, if you if you think about it, if you're scaling and growing and building a business or a practice, you're, you're maybe it's really cash flow intensive. You're not going to have a lot of assets built up yet. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you don't have any assets built up in your, in your personal life until that that windfall event happens and you're able to sell that business. Um, or or pass that business on to, to your heirs, your children, or what have you. There's this underserved market where in my industry, again, and, and the problem is it's the way my industry, at least in the States, gets compensated. If you're compensated via commissions or or via the assets that you manage, you're really not incentivized to work with a business owner who might be in their 40s, who's really growing and scaling something awesome, and they really need financial advice. But if they don't have assets, that, that advisor's not gonna talk to them, that's craziness. So we felt like, okay, well, what if we create a subscription model Type setup where it's it's you know part of their monthly cash flow is our expense, our direct uh, bill to them, and we can help them in these elements. And so it's really been, I would say, in the last eighteen months or so, it's really it's really changed the way that we do business. And I feel like we now are able to serve at least locally here in Orlando, serve a market that just didn't seem to get served before that. You know what I mean?
0: So so you're actually offering your customers a subscription to a service in the same way that I might subscribe to Netflix or something. That was a really bad example, but I think you get, you you know what I'm getting at.
1: No, I like where you're going with it. Yeah, it's pretty much exactly like that. It's an annual advisory agreement that we set up with them. So it is, um, it's a year by year contract, but how they choose to pay us oftentimes ends up being monthly because as a business owner that that's oftentimes the easiest way to cash flow things.
0: In the UK, most financial advisors when they meet a new client, whether it's a an individual client or whether it's a corporate client, they'll go through a process called the fact find. And and I guess you could argue that like in any business, if you're if you're gonna start marketing a business, you've got to have a deep in-depth almost obsessive understanding of your customer and in financial services in the uk the fact find is the way that you develop that deep understanding of your customer do you have a similar process that you go through with your customers
1: yeah we do and i think an important thing to note there is that aside from a, a doctor a physician um maybe a, a a therapist or someone that you go and talk with i think your financial advocate probably is going to get to know you and and an equally meaningful way, right? It might be different areas of your life, but they're really they're really exclusive, private areas of your life that are important to understand. And, it, and we always feel like that's really hard to to get into that in just one or two meetings. I mean, it really is almost an evolution of a relationship with someone where where we get to know them. Um, more and more. But we do have sort of what you, you know, that fact finder that you're calling it. We have, we call it a financial life mind mapping session. Mm-hmm. So that's usually like after we've had a couple of phone conversations. That's the first meeting where we sit down with one another. Um, we, we have an in depth conversation. And it's, it's not just meant to be like that two dimensional look at their finances, their, their assets, liabilities, and income and stuff like that. It's really meant to, to get to know them in a, in a more qualitative way. Right, like, what are the things that that are important to them? How has how have they been influenced by by money during their childhood? What are their views and preferences on money as they grew into an adult? You know, there's so many different areas that we like to delve into when we have this conversation. So a lot of times it ends up being a. Uh, sometimes it's a one-hour meeting. Sometimes it's a three-hour meeting, and and we kind of go as long as the client is really willing to delve into these different topics, but. I think that the distinction is instead of it being so much about the quantitative side and the numbers, we focus more on, on the qualitative side and what the person's about, what their passions are, what they're excited about, the family, things like that.
0: And of course, it's a long-term relationship that you're looking to build with people, and that fits the subscription model. You're, you're hoping that these people are going to be with you for many, many years, and, and the, as time goes by, you get to know them better, and the, the relationship will benefit as a result.
1: Yeah, and I think we're. I think equally, the client and us were were equal. The best situations that I've seen is where we're equally investing in one another in terms of investing our time. You know, when a when a client co- or a potential client comes really prepared to that meeting, and they're really open to having dialogue about these different topics that we touch on, and sometimes they're like, John, this has nothing to do with finances. Why are you asking this question? And I say just you know, we've gotten to this point, trust me up through this conversation to see where this all ties together. And so those to uh, to us, those are the most meaningful relationships that we have, where someone really just comes into it open minded, and willing to, you know, willing to kind of do a more unique um, mind mapping session, as opposed to just a, you know, two dimensional fact finder.
0: Fantastic. And one thing that I'm really intrigued about is how you actually prospect for Customers, how you market Candapath. I think um, I work with quite a lot of financial advisors in the UK, and sadly, a lot of advisors' websites are simply just a photograph of an office, um, the name of the company, and perhaps a telephone number and an email address to get in touch with them. Not a lot of them are doing very much marketing for their own businesses. Now, to a certain extent, I can understand that because they're financial advisors, they are experts in. Giving people financial advice. They're not marketing people. So I can understand that unless they employ somebody, either a consultant like me, or they directly employ somebody to work for them as a marketing person, then they're not promoting their businesses. And to be perfectly honest, in this day and age, it, it's a it's a lost opportunity. Maybe 10 years ago, marketing a business, even a small financial advice business, was, was an expensive business, because advertising was expensive. But now with digital technology, and social media, and video, and content marketing, I guess you would summarise all of that up with, it's actually a lot more cost effective to market a business these days. But quite a lot of financial advisors aren't doing it because perhaps they've just not made that connection yet. So how, how are you going about marketing Canada Path out over there in the States?
1: Yeah, I think you really bring up a good point. I think advancements in technology and just access to different um, different areas of things that we can do to market ourselves that we didn't have at our disposal even five or ten years ago, has really changed our ability to do that. I think in the states, there's always been in our industry, there's always been this perception that um, you, you got to go cold call people, you got to be a part of every chamber and 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 every rotary that exists to, to just get your name out there, get to know people, and over time it will build for you. Um, and, and I'm not saying that those are bad techniques to get to know someone, especially locally within, you know, a, a community. But what we found is, you know, leveraging the use of LinkedIn, leveraging the use of of uh, video content that we produce on, on Facebook. And I think where our practices are today, we still find that the large, a large degree of any new client that we work with and in a large degree, it's always client referrals. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that still remains to be the case, even with this world of technology. But here's the caveat that I find so fascinating. So a client is referred to us by another client, let's say, and they've already got a deeper connection or a trust before they even talk with us because they trusted that person so much. Mm -hmm. It might've been a family member. It might've been a, a colleague or what have you, and so they already have this this baseline level of trust that well, if so and so works with John or Matt, then then it's you know I'm I'm interested to talk with them. But what we have found in the last year is we have these initial meetings with these client referrals that come through to us, and it took me a while to figure this out, Roger. But eventually we figured out that uh, because of all of our video content that we do, by the time they come into a meeting with us they know us in a more meaningful way than we could have realized. Like they've heard me speak. They've seen me, they've seen us do videos in our office. So they come into, they even come into the office and they're already familiar with the setting because they've seen the setting in, in a video that we've done. And, and it really took me a while to realize, you know, I thought, man, what, you know, what is it about how we're doing things that we seem to really connect with these initial meetings that we're having? I mean, we're good, but we're not that good, right? Like what's going on here? And it and it you know it came to us through conversation where someone would say, Oh yeah, you know, I saw you mention that in a video. And it kind of was that light bulb for us of, oh, you know, so we we were doing all these all this video content for two reasons. One, we want to increase the client experience and, and exposure to our existing client base. And we use Facebook primarily for that because that's where a lot of our client community is. And then we use LinkedIn. The second reason is using LinkedIn and using video there just to kind of, you know, put ourselves out there in front of other business owners that might need our service. And the sales process for financial planning is so unique. It's not this linear process. It's, you know, it's finding someone that you can trust and having that pain point enough to realize I need to go to a professional for this. So, although I might get in front of somebody on LinkedIn and they might, you know, we might develop a rapport they might not be ready to meet, to actually sit down and meet with a financial planner based on their pain points for another 18 to 24 months. So it, it's 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 fascinating in that way. But going back to the original point, we realized that more and more of these client referrals were watching our videos if they went to our website or Facebook page or what have you. And I guess that's kind of natural, isn't it, Roger? I mean, before you meet with someone, you do your research now. That's that's the way that technology has allowed us to Google somebody and, and find out who they are, what they're about, and stuff like that. So it, the the power of video in 2019, uh, it cannot be ignored.
0: Now, if you think of a customer who's thinking of doing business with you, if they see. One website which is just what I've described, i.e. very little, and then another website with a whole host of videos where you can see the person who you're going to be dealing with, and you can see that person probably answering questions about financial services, so what is a pension, what is a life insurance policy, whatever it might be. As you say, you can watch that person, you can hear their voice, you can you can almost feel as if you're starting to get to know them before you've even met them. And and you'll develop a feeling of trust for that person. So as you say, when you they eventually walk through the door, you've already got that connection. And and that is that is what content marketing is all about. It's creating that trust and creating that relationship with people in advance, probably by putting something together like video or or this podcast, for example so that people can get to know you before they've actually met you. And and I always remember I had one of these light bulb moments where I I was at a conference and I was stood in the break and I was having a coffee and I was talking to somebody and somebody else came up and tapped me on the shoulder and said, are you Roger Edwards? And I said, yes. Uh, How did you recognise me? Uh, Thinking that maybe they'd seen my photograph in in Money Marketing magazine or something like that. And this lady just said, no, I recognise your voice from the Marketing and Finance podcast. And of course, I was thinking, oh, that is just joyous, isn't it? That is just joyous, because it shows that you're getting that message out there. And that created an opportunity for somebody to introduce themselves to me. And to a certain extent, she already knew me a bit because she'd been listening to this podcast.
1: Well, we've had we've had similar moments to that. One other thing I will mention too, in in terms of like the name and the brand, Panther Path Financial. You had talked about on a past podcast, you know, about um, storytelling through marketing and stuff like that, or, or storytelling with your marketing. And we really feel like that's an important element to as we kind of create and build our brand. I'm I'm you know with a name like John F Kennedy Jr. If, <laughs> if you Google me. You will not find me. I am, I am buried pretty deep in the Google search. And so we had to make other connections like Canterpath Financial so that I'm, I'm findable.
0: <laughs> but just quickly tell me about some of the videos that you're doing. Is it as I describe your answering questions that people have about financial services?
1: Yeah. So I'm glad you asked that because I think from a, from a compliance and regulatory standpoint, I certainly, I know everyone deals with this in the financial uh, industry, Um, There are certain videos that we will do that different types of retirement plans, you know, videos like that, they need to be approved by compliance before those go live. But I would say the vast majority of videos that I do, they they have, frankly, nothing to do with financial products, financial strategies, and they have more to do with work life balance, Mm. or lifestyle and retirement design or, or you know, peace and prosperity and retirement, time abundance versus time famine. You know, they're like, they're more, they're more just, they're, they're things that I enjoy talking about anyway. And they kind of shine through in meetings, especially um, as we get to know a client more and more. And if they're a business owner, we talk about all different kinds of strategies that they need to be working on. That it's so funny at the end of a meeting to go, gosh, John, I had no idea we'd be talking about this stuff. I thought we were just going to be talking about putting money in a Roth IRA and how to reduce (laughs) our taxes. And so a lot of the videos again like we talked about earlier they're just a way to connect with someone and have them get to know us it's a window to get for them to get to know us in a more meaningful way and honestly i find that that people don't want a video on you know they don't want to watch a 20 minute video on how to reduce their their tax their taxable bracket that they're in right they want to they want to watch a, a 60 second video about you know, how to be more successful as they scale their business or something like that. So we find when we do the video content, it's more qualitative and it's just more fun stuff that we enjoy talking about anyway. It's really not financial related at all.
0: I think that's an important point to make. And you mentioned compliance and regulation. And of course we have that here in the UK as well. And I guess sometimes... It gets used as an excuse, oh, we can't do video because it'll never get through the compliance process. And the reality is that if you put together content like you've described, that isn't a financial promotion, that isn't pushing product, but is actually just giving people answers to questions, maybe uh, giving people work-life balance help like you've just described, then that isn't a financial promotion. And you're never going to break the compliance regulations by doing that. And by doing that, you will engage the customers we've already described and pave the way for that long-term relationship.
1: Yeah, I think it's really easy to hide behind compliance though and say, well, I can't do X, Y, Z because of compliance. And at the end of the day, if, listen, I mean, I, I'm a I'm a perfect example. A year ago, eighteen months ago, I was not good on video. It took me it took me a lot of shoots to feel confident with a video that I would publish. and And now, fast forward to today, I might do those in one or two takes and upload them. And I almost enjoy the imperfection that I have in a video because it's authentic. It's yep. who I am, and it's you know, it's how I would speak if I was one on one with a client. I mean, I wouldn't stop what I'm saying and start over. I would just continue to go. And so. I think once you get past that hurdle and realize... Because it's, it's almost just there's this uncomfortableness in being behind a camera, looking at, looking at yourself on camera and, and talking about a topic. And so then we can hide behind compliance and say, well, we can't do that. But the reality is, you can talk about... There's so many things you can talk about that have nothing to do with finances that would be okay to discuss, get the user, the prospect, the client to get to know you in a more meaningful way. So once, once you get rolling with it, I think my, my message would be a message of motivation of just get past those first few videos and, and do it and you'll see the momentum that, that comes behind it. And by the way, no one watched any of these videos when I first uploaded them anyway. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I love that. I have a similar experience to you. My first videos were absolutely dreadful, but now I think I'm getting there. Although I do still think I have a face for radio. That's the main problem. (laughs) So let's just talk a little bit about storytelling. And again, this is really, really important within financial services. I'm doing a, a talk at a conference in a couple of weeks time, and it's all about protection insurance. I often still do talk about protection insurance. And storytelling in that particular part of the market is very important. And, And I always tell a story about, this is one of the best marketing pieces of marketing that I ever did, During my career was way back. It's about 15 years ago. And it was a DVD about a man who'd claimed on a critical illness policy. Now, this this guy was quite young. He'd had a stroke, but his critical illness policy paid off his mortgage, paid off his business loan and, and provided him with enough income to live for a couple of years whilst he got his life back on track. And this guy was a massive advocate for our company as a result of us paying this claim. And he was more than happy to tell his story on DVD. But the point of the story that I make is that 15 years ago, the production of that DVD, including the filming, including the editing, the lighting, the audio putting the DVD onto a, onto the actual disc, uh, putting the disc into a, a sleeve, putting the sleeve into a brochure and, a, and, a, and a, putting that brochure into an envelope and posting that envelope out to 40,000 financial advisors and power planners cost about £100,000. And wow. that is massively beyond the budgets of most financial advisors. But of course, today, you would do the video probably yourself maybe not with your iPhone, but you could do, um, you could do it in-house. You wouldn't have to create a DVD. You'd just upload it to YouTube or Vimeo. You wouldn't have to create a big glossy brochure to send out with it. You'd simply send it to your email list and, and link back to the Vimeo, Vimeo video or the, or the YouTube video. So it's going back to what we said earlier, marketing has become so much more accessible to everybody. But still, the power of that DVD 15 years ago, as expensive as it was, the power was in that man's story. And every single financial advisor, whether you specialize in protection, whether you specialize in pensions, whether you specialize in in investments, you will have customers who've been through this process and have benefited from the advice that you've given them. Why not ask them if they'd be willing to become the next story that you tell in a way like that? And that, to me, is one of the most powerful things that we can do today.
1: Yeah, I. Oh man, I'm. I'm so excited about everything you said. I have a couple comments, but um, as it relates to storytelling, I think that when it comes to all the content that we that we publish and we put out there, um, there's this idea in my industry, and you know what? I see this across all industries, so it's not financial specific. But you see a lot of people just sort of republish or reshare. Uh, curated content that 's like you know they get from like a marketing program or they get from somewhere else yeah. and it 's not that it 's bad, but it doesn't it it, it doesn't it 's not going to engage any any consumer in a meaningful way, like your story could like your like your messaging could i mean if you 're not truly authentically being yourself when you 're doing these videos or when you 're posting stuff. It won't it won't resonate with people and and you know what frankly I find that even the stuff that we post because we'll reshare content too that we find the things that get the most views the most reshares and the most likes are when we post pictures of our families mm-hmm. and, and you know and, and there's an anecdote back to financial life planning and why it's important you know it's when we it's when we share personal stories about things that we go through that we get the most response to that type of content because that's the stuff that people enjoy and care about. So I think that I, I completely agree I, in the in the realm of, of the financial sector at least in the states, we have a lot of issues with like testimonials mm-hmm. you're, you're really not allowed to do them. Um, so there's you know there's different ways to there's different ways to communicate those ideas that we have to just get creative with but we, we can't do testimonials which I think is such a shame because I mean I know why. I, I know why. I mean, the few ruin it for the many, but it's a shame because that, what a meaningful way for someone to to get to understand what we do by like a third party account. But unfortunately we, we can't do that.
0: That's a real shame. That's a real shame. But as you say, I'm sure there are, there are, sure- I was going to say there are ways around it. That's not what I mean. There are. I'm sure there are ways to still get the passion and the interest from yes. an individual who's been a customer, who's had an experience. I'm sure there are ways that they can communicate that without it effectively being a testimonial.
1: Yeah, and I just think it all goes back to that, that storytelling and being able to just really craft a, a good message. I think it's our responsibility to. If you went to our website right now and you read, the, a list of 100 services that we provide for financial services, you would stop on the third or fourth one and go, okay, great. I know, I know what a financial advisor does. What makes these people different? Whereas if you go to our site right now, it, you know, the first thing that you read is, over the course of a lifetime, the average person will walk more than 260 million steps. Let us help you find your stride with purpose so you can devote your time to enjoying life's journey. You know, I mean, like that, that's the type of message that that we really, that we really care about.
0: Obviously a a fabulous journey you've been through building Candor Path. And what would you say was the one thing, the one lesson that you would like the listeners of the Marketing and Finance podcast to take from the experiences you've had building your business?
1: You know, I think it would probably connect to something I said earlier in the podcast, which has to do with just getting uncomfortable with video. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just, I have... Uh, my business partner and I have seen firsthand the power uh, of of shooting online content and doing video. And regardless of how uncomfortable it can be at first, it's really worth getting past that hump and and being able to produce some meaningful video and 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 getting your message out there. I mean, I, I think the other thing too is, as you scale and grow a business. You, you, you got you to gotta be able to identify that authenticity and passion that, that people want to see. I mean, in the financial planning world, no offense, but my industry can be really, really boring at times, yeah. like talking about some really boring topics. And so um, we love it and we're excited about it. And, and you, know, you want to make sure that that passion shines through everybody.
0: John, I'm hoping that people listening to the podcast might want to get in touch with you and maybe try and uh, avail themselves to your service. So what is the best way that people should connect with you?
1: Um, yeah, I, I think uh, my, certainly they can just directly email me. It's john, J-O-H-N at candorpath.com. And then also uh, I would encourage anyone, especially when it comes, we've talked a lot about the video content. If you just go on Facebook and you search Candor Path Financial, and candorpath is one word, um, if you search the Path Financial, you'll find us on there.
0: John, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you this afternoon. Thank you for coming on the Marketing and Finance podcast. I normally say to my um, guests, let's meet up in London or Edinburgh for a coffee or a beer at some point. Given that you're in Florida, it's probably a little less likely that we'll cross paths. But you never know. If I'm ever over there, I will come and find you and we'll have that coffee or that beer.
1: That sounds good.
0: Thanks for listening to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Do please look at the show notes at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MAF for links to the apps and topics and books we discussed. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review on iTunes. Simply visit rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash iTunes and leave a review. I'll catch you on the next episode. In the meantime, keep marketing your business to keep growing your business.